This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today joined by Adam Jones and Chris Beasley as we reflect on a defiant derby performance as Everton dug their heels in and refused to give an inch against Liverpool on Sunday and came away with a well-earned nil-nil draw. Uh, the wait for a victory goes on, but I am pretty confident this will be a, a very positive and upbeat podcast today because of the manner of the performance. The atmosphere will be all in the mix for discussion. Uh, I'll be asking Adam and Chris to pick their man of the match and I'm sure we'll have two different ones and I'm sure I will come up with a different man of the match. We'll be discussing the atmosphere, as I say, and Michael Silver's words about the atmosphere at the end as well. Um, Adam, um, why is nil-nil a good result? If you know, if, if, if any sort of Liverpoolian and any Red is, 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 happens to be listening, <laughs> why, why were we so encouraged by a nil-nil at home in the derby when we haven't won since so mm. long? Well, because we didn't lose the World Cup final. We've, we have successfully taken the World Cup final to extra time. Yes, still waiting for them. <laughs> Maybe we might win on penalties, who knows. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think you've got to look at it in terms of the league table for me. You know, Liverpool are a side who are, you know, right in there in the title race. You know, they're, they're second fiddle at the minute, but for the previous few weeks, they've been top of the table. Man City can't catch them. So to come up against a side as strong as they are and, as strong as we all know they can be. You know, that front three uh, have terrorised many a defence this season and in seasons gone by, you know, uh, they've got a really, really solid defence. They've got some really talented midfielders. So to have a side like that come to your place, you are the underdogs, really, because they they are, you know, they've got... Exactly, they've got ambitions of the title. So, you know, to, to, to take a point off them, I think is a positive result, especially given the form that Everton were in, you know, just before that 17-day break, you know, it was something daft, like three wins, I think it was three wins in eight games in 2019, something in the league, something yeah, like yeah. that. Like, that, that's a really poor run of form, especially coming into a game against the side as strong as Liverpool. So to get a point and battle really hard for that point as well, uh, you could argue last 20, 30 minutes of the game, Everton were the better team as well. And, you know, Maybe if they'd have attacked a little bit more, taken a few more risks, they might have won the game, but they might have lost the game as well. So, uh, yeah, I think it, it can only be seen as a positive result because, you know, Liverpool are that good. Mm. Bees, was it a, a positive nil-nil um, and sort of taken as that by, by, by the majority, if not all Evertonians, because it felt more like a derby performance, felt more like a derby performance than we've been used to? You know, did it feel as though we haven't got the derby back, so to speak? It mm. felt like that was actually progression mm. in this fixture in many ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed that from your verdict, Phil, and that you were saying obviously it was a performance that certainly got the seal of approval from from David Moyes. And for all that Moyes' reign keeps getting revised as we move further and further on from that, yes, he he had a fair share of derbies and knew what Everton needed to to do, and and those fixtures didn't always get the the results he wanted. But yeah, it felt more like the the kind of derby performance that um, Evertonians could could rally behind. And yeah, this um, point about ce- celebrating. A draw? No, it, of course it wasn't. It, it was. Um, this is a Liverpool team who have lost one game 
all season. I know, yeah. Manchester City, only team to have beaten them. Any other season, Liverpool or Manchester City would be worthy champions, would probably be running away with it, yeah. either of them. But it just so happens that the, the benchmark is so high this season and it's still nip and tuck. I think there's only another couple of teams have even managed to stop them from scoring. Mm. So That's, that's it, a good yeah, point, yeah. you know, that You know, the can't, as you say, there won't be many teams you've stopped Watford for five on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. I saw some some people saying in the um, build up to the match. Well, we've uh, we've put five past one mid table side this week. Let's go do it again on on Sunday. So that, yeah, that was the that was the whole idea, wasn't it, from Liverpool that they were going to come in and um, steamroller Everton. But um, it, 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 the the winless streak continues. But you I mean you can't really point the finger at Marco Silva and his players for that it's it's not them who've had this awful run over several years going back to 2010 they can only play play in the in the present and uh, they've actually taken this great Liverpool side um you know over but 90 minutes twice this season obviously it ended in catastrophe at the end at Anfield right at the end but they've really given them a good go over the over the two matches and um they've really um put a in the works in in that title um challenge as it stands I think that's a really good point like I think people are forgetting how well Everton played at Anfield earlier yeah. in the season we should, as well. We you know, have a pair of nil nils at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We really, yeah, like that was just before the wheels fell off, as as we all know. But that that performance at Anfield, like we were all coming out of that saying, God, that that's the best Everton have played at Anfield in years and years. Like it, it didn't get the result that we all wanted at the end of the day, but like Everton really took the game to Liverpool. There had the best chance of the game with Andre Gomez. Mm. Prob- probably should have took the lead twice when you count in Yeni Mina's header very early on. Yeah. So, you know, in a, in a different world, Everton could be sit, sitting here with six points against Liverpool. <laughs> like, as it happens, that's not the case. But, you know, I think you, Everton fans have got every right to be proud of what their team have put in against Liverpool. Like, mm. And it just, just so happens that it just led to a point this time. Um, I'll, I'll throw this one open. Do you think, we're going to talk about the two managers' decisions and, and, and perhaps their own performance. We'll start with Jürgen, obviously. We'll, we'll only touch on, on, on the Liverpool manager briefly. But do either of you think that, despite that 5-0 win over Watford and that thinking that it's just another, another mid-table team we're coming up against, do you think Klopp actually, don't say disrespected, but massively underestimated A, the fixture, B, Goodison and C, the Blues by not fielding his most recognised and strongest lev- uh, starting front, front three. Firmino was left on the bench. And I think he said, we didn't feel we need, we played so well on, on Wednesday, we didn't need to start him. Now, I know he came on and he, mm. was, he was rubbish, mm. but largely speaking, you'd play Firmino every day. Do you think Klopp actually got that wrong because he overlooked Everton and I say that the fixture and, and what it was going to be like? And mm. um, I wouldn't say he... Um disrespected Everton with that because Firmino had an injury hadn't he and he was, he was a bit nip and tuck um, touch and go sorry as, as to whether he'd be, be fit and to be fair Origi has got a decent record in the, in the derby <laughs> as, as we all, all know so I don't think in, in that respect but it's interesting in the build up to the game I was actually there when he made his, his um, World Cup final yeah. comments so I was then with the, the, the Sunday newspapers previewing the Manchester United Liverpool game so it's not like the derby even had to be mentioned. Um, nobody would asked him about the derby. He, he brought it up off, off his own bat. Um, we were we were previewing the Manchester United game at Old Trafford, and he brought it up. Mm. He said, um, "It's like a World Cup final for Everton." So I think in that respect, 
he didn't have to say that. But in regards to his team selection, I think that was more based on Divock Origi's very good derby record and the fact Firmino was coming back of an injury. Mm. Mm. I think I'd have to agree with Bees, and I think Origi's performance was actually quite good yesterday. I think it, it was a quite significant game plan. It was something that we picked up mm. on in the ground quite quickly that they were going to try and yeah. use Origi to outmuscle Coleman quite a lot. He's a big lad, by the way. He's a lot bigger than he used yeah. to be. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a unit. Him and Rom have been working out together. <laughs> yeah, so like, I, th- I think Coleman struggled, uh, like, especially in especially yeah, in the yeah. first half, you know, mm. like... It's a bit. It's a big physical battle that he's not really used to. You know, you don't get wingers that big usually. Mm. So I think it was probably part of Jurgen Klopp's game plan. He was probably thinking, all right, well, if Firmino's not going to make it, then I need to try and find a different way to try and break down this Everton team. And you know, you're probably hoping that it the chances would fall Origi's way. It just didn't happen in the end. But I don't think it was any sign of disrespect in it in in any sense. Mm. I think it was just it was just a different game plan and. You know, thankfully it didn't come off for them. Indeed, and of course, uh, Jürgen blaming the wind. Um, <laughs> Which only affects Liverpool, of, of course. Of course, yes. Um, let's move on then from Liverpool and let's focus on, on, on Everton and, and and the decisions bees of, of Marco Silva. I think Adam mentioned it there about maybe we could have gone for it a touch more, but obviously it was a very finely balanced game yeah. um, towards the end. But actually, if you look at the subs of Marco you would actually strong I said, well he did go for it because the temptation could have been up could have been to bring on Jags, bring on John Joe Kenny, bring on Tom Davis, yeah. but he actually went Richarlison, Tosin and Andre Gomez. Yeah, definitely very much positive substitutions up up his sleeve to try and stretch the game. Um, in, in that last third, yeah, it's, it takes off a holding midfielder, brings on a, a lot more expansive um, forward-thinking midfielder, then switches things around up top and uh, brings on a, a, a player who for a long period of season's been um, his, his most creative outlets and, and, and you could see that I mean it did mean that there were chances at the other end too and like we said it, it opened up the contest but yeah he, he went for it last um, 20 minutes well, again even so there weren't, it's not like there were loads of chances created but there were some good opportunities and there's happened a couple of times this season if um, if little Bern had just been just been a bit taller, bit, those legs had been a bit longer, maybe he'd have got on the end of one of them. He actually had a very good game as very well, and very much yeah, justified yeah. his selection there on on the left. So I just wonder, is that something for for the future? We've talked all season about this problem on the right wing. What about the two Brazilians um, with Richarlison on the right? Mm-hmm. Maybe something to consider in these last couple of months. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, right, this is the, the point where I ask you to. Um, Give me your man of the match and, and, and explain why, Adam. Who was Everton's standout player uh, on Sunday? Uh, going off the ratings that I gave yesterday, <laughs> mm. which I've been roundly told on social media that I am wrong. Ever does? Yes. So, but uh, I gave it, change your mind on the back of that. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! No! No chance. Uh, I gave it to Luca Dean because I I don't think I've ever seen a player be able to run consistently as much as he can. He just runs a full pelt. Constantly, I've, I've I've never seen anything like it. There was that great moment in the first half. So to interject, wasn't yeah, it? Where yeah. he chased Salah across the halfway line <laughs> yeah. and ended up being the guy at the back post, <laughs> making a last ditch yeah, clearance. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I think it was those kind of last ditch clearances that you know maybe flew under the radar a bit. Everyone's talking about Michael Keane's tackle on Salah, which was absolutely incredible. But Luca Dean made one on Fabinho as well, which I genuinely I was looking at it and I didn't know how he got there. Yeah. I did. I was waiting for the net to bulge mm. essentially from Fabinho and. You know, I think he's done that a lot for Everton this season. You know, he's got so much energy, so good going forward as well as getting back. 
Uh, I think he's been Everton's star player throughout the season, and he was my standout man yesterday as well. Like there was a lot of competition. Like as I say, Michael Keane was very good, but uh, no, Dean for me. Bees. Think yeah. of somebody, if Dean was your yeah. man of the match, then forgive me. But yeah. let's, for the interests and the, yeah. the purposes of a, of, a, of debate, who is somebody yeah. different? I'm not going to stray that far away. I, would, I wouldn't disagree with Adam, but from what I could see, that other man he's been mentioning, Michael Keane, not not just the big tackle, but there's a couple of other incidents there in the air again, and um, some other important blocks and interceptions. I mean, it, it's the sort of thing you want to see from from Michael Keane and the. And the the thicker the, dar- the derby battle, he he produced a really um, solid p- performance, and um, you know, alongside Kurt Zuma who come in because obviously Phil Jagielka had done well at, at Cardiff, but it was a very different sort of test this time. And um, again, Ke- Keane and Zuma have been showing that uh, they've been uh, Everton's most solid combination um, th- this season, and uh, they they really, like I said, snuffed out that Liverpool attack who's been so prolific this season, and very few teams have um, got any change out of them whatsoever. I think. I've read a stat before that Keane made more interceptions yesterday than any other Everton player has in any particular game this season, which is an incredible number, more to be than, honest. More than the Drissa guy? Uh, apparently. Wow. Yeah, like, something I read, uh, I'll have to maybe clarify it, yeah, but I'm, yeah. pre- I'm pretty sure I did see that floating about somewhere. Do you think actually it was a significant game for Michael in the, in the sense that we all know that, especially when he's at Burnley, you know, Anything in the air, it's Michael Keynes. He's mm. that type of defender. You, 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 if you've got a compact defence around him, anything's in front of him in the air, blocks, headers, great. But there's always been that doubt about Michael on the turn against the smaller, quicker, nippier forwards. Well, Liverpool have got two of the best, haven't they, in, mm. in, in Mane and, and Salah. Do you think actually it's a, it's a real tick in the box for Michael in that respect? Because, you know, they probably, with respect, you know, they probably would have looked at Keane in terms of, pace and well, you're, you're the slower of the two let's target him but he, I don't recall him ever being turned or, or, or sort of you know, stripped for pace at no. any point really yesterday No I think he's picked up he's picked up something that you usually see in a defender that who's a lot older than him he's just picked up the experience of being a Premier League player for as long as he has like he's, his positioning is so good that he doesn't really need that pace on the turn you know if he can get in there and intercept the ball or clear the ball before the striker can even get to it, then he's not getting turned. And I think he's picked that up really well. I think his next step is probably getting the ball with his at his feet, getting a little bit better at that. I think there were a couple of times in the first half, especially where he oh, was just passing pass, yeah, pass yeah. the ball straight out of play. Yeah. Uh, I think that's just the next thing that he can improve on his game. But like Everton have got the good situation now where even if Michael Keane does find himself a little bit out of position or he gets caught on the turn, then Kertzuma's got... Bags of pace, you know. He was, you know, he was he was matching Salah and Mane for pace yesterday. It was it was absolutely incredible, and I think those two as a partnership, like fingers crossed, that Everton do still test Chelsea's resolve in the summer for Zuma because those two as a partnership in the future, considering their age as well, Mm. they could be they could be a brilliant partnership for Everton going forward. Mm. Uh, So, answer my own question. and the interests of, uh, of of debate. I think Zuma was the was the best player in the pitch. I genuinely do. But as I said, I think Michael Keane and Luca Dean definitely run him close. I thought Idrissa was excellent. Um, Sigerson ran his what's it's off, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and as as, as Bees mentioned earlier, I thought Bernard really justified that selection. I thought he was arguably one of his better games, and mm-hmm. he played well at Anfield, if I remember rightly. You know, mm-hmm. so I think um, you know, I think he was very impressive, and and, and Marco will have. Uh, 
felt vindicated uh, in that. But yeah, there was several uh, candidates for man of the match. Uh, I'm sure you guys listening may have a different one to let us know online. Um, interestingly, actually, just on Zuma, uh, a question that cropped up, um, as we all know, is it cropped up on Wednesday night at the uh, Royal Blue Live was, if we could only sign one of the two lone players that we've got this season permanently in the summer, who would be the priority, Zuma or Andre Gomez? Mm. Well, I, w- I was sat in in the audience hearing everyone say, yeah, Gomez, Gomez. I, I'm convinced it should be Zuma. I think he, he offers something that no other centre-back at the club kind of has. And it's it's not just his pace, it's his ability to bring the ball out from the back as well. I think he's very, very good with mm. the ball at his feet. So I, go I, Zuma. I, I would definitely go Zuma. Bees, do you, do you agree or do you think maybe in, in this, hopefully this isn't a question the club actually have to yeah. ask themselves and we could go for both if we wanted, but is it is it playing devil's advocate? Is it, is it an opportunity? Is it a moment of opportunity? Will we get the opportunity again to sign a player yeah. in midfield of Gomez's calibre, probably for a knockdown price? Whereas as much as we all, many of us rate Zoom, myself included, are defenders a little bit easier to come by? I don't know. I'm, I'm just thinking. Yeah, out loud for, for interest of answering the question, I'd, I'd say Gomez only that because Everton have already got Yerry Mina in there, and to be to be fair, uh, Mina was the one who had all the expectations. World Cup hero mm-hmm. for Colombia, and the one Everton been chasing all summer, seemingly with um, a lot of um, other suitors offering Champions League football. It was seen as a bit of a coup getting yeah. him. Yeah. Where Zuma obviously came in on loan. At the end, but Zoom has been the one who's, who's done better. But Yeri Mina is there. But if Everton weren't to get Andre Gomez, they don't have another s- sort of player who could f- fill that void. So just in f- for that reason yes. only, I, I would say Gomez. And I certainly agree with what you said in that a player of that calibre doesn't come al- along um, every five mm-hmm. minutes. And ag- and again, at a pr- perhaps a, a more reasonable um, price. Um, it may come to this because of the, the, the whole the Chelsea transfer. Embargo, yeah. are, mm. are they going to play hardball with, with Zuma and, and not let him go? I I hope they don't. I'd, I'd like to see them both sign permanent deals. But in the interest of answering the question, I think that Everton have more options in regards to the centre-back position. But that's no slight on Kurt Zuma, nope. who I think has been excellent. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, again, so let us know. It'd be interesting. It was a great question uh, that was put mm. to the panel on Wednesday. So, um, as I say, fingers crossed the club don't have that decision to make and can go for both. But if it was to be Zuma on a permanent or Gomez, um, let us know which one you would choose. Um, when was the last time Goodison <laughs> reverberated, rocked, growled, you know, all the adjectives that we put to it yesterday? When was the last time Goodison felt that alive? <laughs> It's a really hard question. I have, I genuinely have no idea. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how far back I want to go. Maybe, maybe Chelsea, to, Chelsea in the FA Cup and Ron yeah, scored. I mean, yeah. I've, the only other one that comes into mind is maybe the latter stages of Arsenal at home. You know, when Ashley Williams scored that late header, December. Yeah, perhaps the la- the latter stages of that but nothing game. Nothing as consistent as no, no, no. I think. I think, yeah, the the closest you're getting probably in recent years is probably that Chelsea FA Cup game. Because, you know, you sat in the ground yesterday and 10 minutes before kickoff, ev- like every stand was singing. Yeah. And it, it was it was quite incredible, to be honest. And then you've got the new uh, the new siren that comes on 
uh, before Z cars. We'll have to wait and see whether that's going to be a more permanent yeah, addition yeah. or not. It should seem to go down very well, especially with Tony Bellew, who sat just yeah, in front yeah. of us. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's, the, the crowd really played their part. And it was, it was something that I brought up in uh, the pre-match podcast that, you know, we, we've looked at that. Uh, that Manchester United v Liverpool game and the kind of atmosphere that Old Trafford created, you know, that's that's a bigger ground, but I'd argue Everton probably created a bigger noise. And that's always been the case. And, you know, I think Liverpool did bottle it a little bit from that atmosphere. You know, like second half especially, you're expecting them to, you know, come out and be as as good on the counter-attack as they were in the first half. And it just, just didn't happen last half an hour of the game. Everton were fairly comfortable, fairly mm. in control and maybe could have could have nicked the victory themselves. So yeah, I'd think Everton, uh, Everton's fans played an absolutely crucial part and that atmosphere was phenomenal. And uh, it's as Marco Silva said, like in his post match press conference, if it's if it's gonna be anywhere near as good as that for the, the ne- next few home games, which are obviously as tough as the Liverpool mm. game, you know, it's you know, that's gonna play a massive part again. Bees um a well-schooled Everton historian as you are. When was the last time? <laughs> How far back do we have to go? Do we have yeah. to go too far back? or I, I don't know where I'd um, actually put my, my finger on it. It's hard to say because, like we said, there's been elements of that. The um, mm. Like I said, the, the Chelsea game may be building from a crescendo, but certainly not from the off. Yeah. Um, and flip that around, there was the Villarreal Champions League game where mm. um, obviously it had been, um, Everton had been out of... Um, Europe for for so long, and um, obviously the the throwback to the, the European ban. So it was that was really loud at the start, but then obviously fell flat with what yeah, happened yeah. on the on the pitch, and they got that beat got beat that night. So I think it was a very important moment for Everton because we've been talking about this season a possible lack of identity and identity crisis. What are Everton now on and off the pitch? Where, where are they going? And um, so, so to produce for everyone to come together like that, um, really uh, almost like an act of defiance. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, it was important. It was it was a return to really what, what Everton sh- should be about because let's not make no bones about it for a, a lot of the time now. It's not a great atmosphere in the ground. No. Um, we travel around the country with um, with with Everton, and we we some some of these away grounds. There's a real um, there's a real bounce about them, and there's real excitement. Obviously, amongst the teams who've come into the Premier League in in recent seasons, they're happy to be there. They're enthusiastic. You could scoff at them, and yeah. but no, they 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 make they make a good atmosphere. And I think with both of our clubs, there's a certain blasé attitude at times and it, it, it's just going through the motions um, Graham Sharp actually said in the build up to the game um, he compared it to going to a Premier League match being like watching a film mm-hmm. just going there and being passive and be, being a spectator rather than a fan and this was a return to what Goodison should be about we keep talking about the proposed new stadium at Bramley Moor Dock having the stands close to the pitch a steep gradient to recreate Goodison atmosphere, but it needs to be like that. And um, yeah, it was it was a real good throwback, and it shows that Everton still can be like that. So I think it was an important moment. Do you think mm. almost that too many teams and too many teams, recent teams, have taken it for granted that Goodison will would be a bare pit on the big occasions? And do you think too many managers have paid lip service to it without actually thinking, well, we need to play in a in a in a, in a manner which actually will get mm. them going because. You know, it's the whole chicken and egg thing. Who mm. you know, who 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 inspires who? But um, 
Yeah, I just just was wondering whether you think maybe actually it's it's always that thing with Goodison and people say it because they maybe maybe they think the supporters want to hear it, but then don't really actually try and tap into it. Whereas mm. yesterday felt like a concerted effort mm. to, to use the fans. I think the reputations always preceded Goodison Park really because they always have like Everton has always been the kind of team that will put in those like big you know performances full of heart, full of desire, full of energy, like the performance that we saw yesterday in the derby but like it's only because managers of the past have tried to ingrain that into their squads I'd, say, I'd argue David Moyes was probably the last manager who actually mm. properly ingrained that into his squad uh, Roberto Martinez probably saw that sort of bear pit uh, atmosphere a couple of times perhaps in the Europa League and uh, that Wolfsburg game probably I remember Arsenal was uh, they were up for it when they beat Arsenal but oh, was yeah, maybe, the yeah, the maybe Arsenal they were feeding, maybe they feeding off the team's performance perhaps yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Think, I think I think Roberto got it um, uh, Man City first leg of the League Cup semi yes you remember yeah, yeah. that was a good atmosphere and of course that, that Chelsea, that Chelsea yeah. game yeah, yeah. but it, it was starting to get a bit more few and far between uh, I'd argue Ronald Koeman never really experienced that atmosphere probably the City 4-0 is the closest he was ever going to get Again, but, but it, it wasn't like a brilliant exactly yeah. so like you've, the fans have got to see those kind of regular performances yeah. and you know as Everton have struggled more and more over recent seasons you know started to fall down the table that little bit more you know the fans start to get a little bit disenfranchised with what they're seeing on the pitch you know they start to lose that connection a little bit with the players, you know, the questions start cropping up thinking, you know, are these players really motivated? Mm. Do they know yeah. the Everton way? You know, it's it's not as if we want them to just be, you know, yard dogs who are just going to, no, no. just going to boot players all, all the time. You know, it, it, it's, a, it's a very different sort of scenario. You know, you can play with heart, passion, desire without just trying to boot everyone everywhere. And I think that's what Everton showed yesterday. They finally tapped into what the fans really want to see from these, especially these performances against, you know, the better top six sides in the league. I'm not saying we, sh- we shouldn't be putting those performances in every week, but those are the kinds of displays that you definitely want to see against your Liverpools, your United, your Chelsea's, your Arsenal's. Yeah. So that's what Everton have got to take into the next few performances as well. It just can't be, it can't just be a one-off. Everton fans will want, like, will want to see these performances yeah. over the next few weeks as well. They'll put in, these kind of atmospheres if the players start showing this on the pitch and hopefully this is the first step to getting us back onto the road now of Evertonians really making Goodison that bare pit again. Mm-hmm. But just 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 on this um in 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 our sort of pursuit to well in next season it will be become again be the best of the rest and, and get back into Europe and and then ultimately be challenging that top yeah. six. Other than Anfield, which we have to accept, you know, quite rightly can create big atmospheres. There aren't any other clubs, surely, in that top bracket uh, that Everton are looking to challenge who can utilise a home support like like Goodison can yeah. offer. And you know, in, in terms of, you talked about identity and, and the club trying to find identity, and it looks like now with Marcel at the helm, we're going to sort of certainly shift in transfer policy, younger players, etc., hungrier players, hopefully. Surely that the, the home form and therefore home atmosphere actually has to be a massive factor in, in that pursuit. Um, yeah, like you said, I'm trying to think now. The, the other um, you don't go to, you don't go to the Emirates yeah. and go, "Crikey, we're going to get yeah. shouted at down." I don't think you go to Wembley with Spurs. Obviously, you have to wait for their new ground, of yeah. course. Um, Old Trafford, space, yeah, yeah, maybe to an extent. Yeah. I mean, you don't go to the Etihad and, and no. you're intimidated, <laughs> are you? Mm. 
No, so um, and yeah, in that respect, it it, it could it could um, play play a, a key part, a key role for, for Everton. But uh, yeah, we we need to have a um, a situation. Adams alluded to where the team are, are sort of inspiring that. I mean, David Unsworth hit the nail on the head when he used his phrase "playing off the front foot." Mm. Um, unfortunately, David didn't get the, re- the results to merit a longer st- stint in the dugout, but he knew exactly what was needed and the way he was wanting to go about things as you know, a, a long-standing Evertonian of many years, both as a player and a, a coach. He, he knew what the Blues fans wanted. And uh, that that was the thing with, with the, the Moyes era. Sometimes it would go for them, sometimes it wouldn't. But I seem to recall a lot of the time they would always have a go and there'd be an intensity about it that, that the, the, the Evertonians don't have unrealistic expectations, but they expect you to, to give your all and, and, and to put a shift in and um, certainly make it um, difficult for, for, for the opposition get in their faces. And it was, it was a return to that. And hopefully, like you said, if there is a recruitment towards hungrier young players, again, similar to the, the, the Moyes era, that, 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 I think that that's something that the fans could get behind. Yeah, yeah just, just wondering, you know, just, just, you know, last night and again this morning, just thinking about that conversation that we'll be made aware of when, when Farhad Mashiri sat down with Keith Harris and Arsene Wenger and they said, which stadium do you fear going to the most? And apparently Wenger said without hesitation, Goodison. Mm. And surely that would have been part of Farhad's thinking when he took the club over, but he's probably only felt it on a handful of occasions, hasn't mm-hmm. he, really, if, if that's so. Um, Adam, uh, Michael Silver afterwards, as you alluded to, uh, I'm going to paraphrase here, um, said if <laughs> if we can take 70%, even just 70% of that atmosphere into the remaining home games, uh, the crowd will do have done 30, by 40, 30 to 40% of the team's job. I mean, mm-hmm. so he, the manager clearly clearly sees the value in, mm-hmm. in atmospheres even not quite as good as that but similar mm. yeah and I think he's absolutely spot on and I'd say uh, speaking to Bernard in the mix zone after the game yesterday it was very clear how much uh, the crowd has had an effect on him because mm. obviously I was speaking to him through a translator but asking the question in English I just said the atmosphere at Goodison Park and he instantly he had knew. a smile on his face yeah. he knew he knew he knew what was coming and he, he then revealed that it was just a massive motivation to that whole squad, you know, to even be stood in the tunnel, hearing the noise say, before. We see the images of the tunnel. And when, as you'd mentioned earlier, the the, the atmosphere, ten, you know, 10 minutes, five minutes, few minutes before kickoff was electric. And I'm looking at Henderson and I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, yeah, they're feeling mm. this. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it must be just a massive motivation to them standing in the tunnel, hearing that kind of noise. And I'm just hoping that this is a sort of penny dropping for... Like the squad and Marco Silva, you know, if you, like it has been alluded to there, like Everton fans don't have any sort of unrealistic expectations. You know, you're not going into these games thinking we're going to batter these teams like three or four nil or something. All that Everton fans expect is for the team to put in a hundred percent of effort, uh, play with a bit of intensity, passion, and you know that's what they they finally gave. Uh, yesterday, maybe that 17-day break has helped them a bit, you know, rest and re- revitalise. And then... Touchwood feels like it may have cleared the air of touch. Exactly. We'll see, you know, big, big, and we'll, we'll speak about Newcastle later in the week. But again, you would feel that that 17-day break and the feeling that it, it has been hugely beneficial, you kind of feel that a, a positive result on Saturday when we're expected to do well would actually mm-hmm. kind of be the rubber that actually 
maybe we have, mm. you know, whisper it turned the corner, perhaps, and mm. we'll finish the season positively at least. Well, yeah, it's a good way to keep the wheels moving, and it's it's going back to that weird momentum. I think after the last derby, we ended up in a spiral of bad momentum that has, that led us up until this 17-day break now with a win behind us, a positive draw behind us. You're open then, get a win on Saturday, and then the momentum starts building, then the crowd, the crowd's right up for it for those... Uh, big games, you know, Chelsea, Arsenal, United yeah. coming up in the future, you know. And hopefully, as I say, it's a penny dropping for this this squad, you know. Uh, they played a bit of a more direct style, I'd say, mm. yesterday. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't exactly uh, pretty a lot of the time, but it was it was just getting the job done. S- smart, you could say. Yeah. It wasn't... It, wasn't, it was know. playing. It was playing the occasion, and I think there's been a few too many times over the past couple of months where Everton really haven't played to the occasion and they've been punished for that yeah. like even in home games against Newcastle and Watford right yeah. after the uh, the derby they, they played with a bit of I don't know it just seemed like there was something holding the side yeah. back in those couple yeah, of games and they, got, means, yeah. and they got punished for it you know conceded sloppy goals and you know probably lucky to even get draws out of either of those games so yeah I'm just hoping now the, the penny has dropped uh, the atmosphere continues and the we can focus on a few positive Everton results from now until the end of the season. Indeed, just before we wrap up, it would be remiss of us bees not to talk mm. about Jordan Pickford because we talked about yeah. him after the last derby. He was by no means perfect yesterday. I think some of his kicking he will reflect on uh, as being erratic. But when it came to the crunch, that was a huge save and a huge moment for him and for, for the rest of his team. Yeah. Um, when Salah was through on goal, you thought, oh, this is going in here. Player, mm. player of um, his calibre and his finishing power, but to be fair, John got his angles spot on. You know, made that goal look a lot smaller than it was, and made an absolutely crucial save. And hopefully, that can be a turning point for him because I think it's been obviously you can't get away from that was a whether it was a fluke or whatever it was. You know, it was a terrible mistake in the in the previous derby, and that did seem to affect him for a little while. It's a bit of an erratic display against Tottenham, but then. After that, his, his form has been pretty consistent. So hopefully, with the the bonus of um, keeping that clean sheet, making that crucial save against a, a player like Salah, it can only benefit him um, and the running between now and the, the, the rest of the season. Um, it, it, it's, it, um, you know, he's, he's a, a new dad, a new father, <laughs> and um, he's obviously going to have a few sleepless nights there. But I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it, I'm sure he slept well last night and the. Uh, in the uh, comfort of um, that, that big clean sheet and that, that huge save that he made at a, a crucial moment. Indeed, chaps. Thank you very much for your company. Really enjoyed that. Hope you at home also enjoyed listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. Remember, you can uh, rate, review and subscribe to the Royal Blue Podcast on iTunes and the Acast app. Uh, so get on there and leave a review, please. All comments, very much welcome. Uh, we'll reconvene later in the week uh, as we preview uh, the trip to Newcastle. But for now, you've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.